delighted that you could uh, join us. Uh, we're live on our broadcast at lunchtime. We're also live for our podcast. If you're listening uh, a little bit later, then uh, very uh, good afternoon, evening, wherever you're listening to this. Uh, however you're listening, please feel free to join in with the debate. That's what we want you to do. Uh, if you're listening on the podcast, you can get in touch with us across social media and it's podcast at aspen-weight.co.uk. And if you're on the live stream, then please get your comments into us right now. We'll answer your questions. We were just discussing off air that Mondays is very much a, a catch up about the things that are happening across the globe in, in the business world and, and the things that have developed over the weekend. There's been a, a couple of de- developments uh, ac- across the weekend, but I think that we'll start with the point that we were making before we came on air, which was just trying to work out maybe how the government will close the lockdown, how they will maybe stagger things and how it will work. Uh, you might want to note that my very senior host, who has a voice as well as as good as any Radio 1 DJ, uh, has failed to thanks me properly today. Well, so, I was going to say uh, that. I, want, I, was, I was sort of giving you the floor, but Paul, I mean, very <laughs> good afternoon to you. And, and I have to say, <laughs> do you know what I think it was? I was so taken aback by your wonderful shirt before we came on mm. that I've completely, and we were chatting away that I've completely forgotten that we've actually now dry, joined the yeah, live well, stream. I can, I can understand that my my appearance would be distracting. But good afternoon, Paul, so, CEO of Aspen Weight. Good afternoon, Mr. Ben Eltham, voice of chocolate. Um, yes, yeah, so I, I bought four funky shirts last week, and um, this is the second one that's uh, had an appearance. So, um, yeah, we're, we're looking to be vibrant and sunny. Yeah, I'm always jealous of your background there. But, um, yeah, it's, it's an interesting one, isn't it? We've, we've kind of carried this conversation on from uh, a few moments ago, but it will be interesting to see. And every day that goes past, we get more signs of maybe how this will play out as far as ending this lockdown? Well, not, not a lot from the government, I don't think. I mean, I, I, I think, um, as I was saying to you off air, um, probably the thing that's definitely been noticeable in the last few days is, is there's a considerable momentum uh, of opinion, uh, which is basically saying, you know, that we've got to get the country back to work. Uh, I think Matt Hancock... Uh, if it was if it was up to him, God knows what would happen to the economy. I think we'd all be um, sitting in our houses in a year's time. I rather get the impression. So, um, as I was saying to you earlier, I think um, the one good thing from a, a citizen's point of view is that this government is very fortunate insofar as it has the ability to observe uh, braver countries what they're doing at the moment. Um, so uh, I know that Israel's gone back to something today. Um, Sweden obviously never never stopped. Belarus never stopped. Uh, Norway and Denmark have um, have, have uh, relaxed things. Um, Italy and Spain um, are relaxing things, despite the fact of their situation. And of course, what's very interesting, actually, if you look at the um, democratic model, and uh, I was listening to a a fantastic um, interview with Douglas Murray, who I think is possibly the single best uh, overall commentator, uh, political commentator, etc., sociological commentator that exists at the moment. Um, I've got, you know, I've, isn't that terrible? I know the first time I've actually forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> say happens. something interesting for, yeah. But you, yeah, you were saying so about the political, the political commentator, which I know you've mentioned before, actually, that, that's, um, that's very good. Yeah, the Douglas, Douglas Murray was basically, um, you know, d- doing his sensible thing about where this was going to go. And um, yeah, he, was, he was basically saying it was too early to make predictions. Oh, no, I was going to say, yeah, sorry, I, I, it's come back to me now. Um, yeah, Douglas Murray was actually commenting on the fact that... Um, We've all got used, I think, and accepted that Britain is a divided country, you know, and he was saying, you know, divided, divided on the long on the lines of many different things, you know, Brexit, non-Brexit, uh, right wing, left wing, uh, you name it, you know, we're divided. But the thing he was he was he was um, rightly commenting on was that almost without exception, the British population, whether they be socialist or or right wing, has basically 
decided to trust the government and and pretty much do what the government says you know should happen uh, and even made the point that probably um people across the political spectrum actually think that the government is actually doing its best you know on the whole apart from the bbc of course who who um have started telling lies and coming out with propaganda and, and that again so i think um in the uk you know he was making the point that the, the uk population has been remarkably well behaved and and compliant and now if you contrast that with america where um so if you like you could say that um this this crisis has brought the country together a bit in the uk whereas in america um it hasn't so um i'm not quite sure what that tells you about uh, about both both countries but the Americans, you know, what happens in America is basically you're either pro-Trump or anti-Trump. Uh, and if you're anti-Trump, then uh, everything that's going on is his fault. Or, you know, there's no um, there's no sort of coming together in terms of, you know, this is what we all need to do as a nation like we are. And um, I think the other thing that's very noticeable on the international stage is you've now got a considerable swell of opinion in, in, in America. They're basically saying that lockdown is sort of against their rights, you know, so they're starting to get quite severe protesting. And uh, But I think, it, I think it, if, if it carried on too long in the UK, I think similar things would probably happen in our own, in our own rather unique way. You know, we'd probably throw our teacups into the road or something, you know. Yeah, I think I think it's uh, I think it's very interesting as you say. We've touched on America uh, a few times, and you know, it is, it is really as you said it. You're either Trump for Trump or against, and there's there's all sorts um, going on there. We bring bring things back to the UK again. I just want to talk a little bit more about that um, recovery strategy that we've mentioned a few times. <laughs> we I was having a conversation over the weekend as you do uh, about just when you think things will get back to normal when will we see normal life we were talking before we came on about um a holiday that i've got booked and whether i would cancel that or not it's it's in the uk and Mm. it'd be nice to get away but but will things Mm. be open one of the things that i thought about the weekend but do you think a lot of businesses Mm. like um let's just name a few i know next and john lewis Mm -hmm. closed stores um electrical goods different things do you think people are giving serious thought do you think the government are giving serious thought to infrastructure behind being able to open up the lockdown slightly but a lot of businesses will operate differently so there'll be huge amounts of um, delivery services available so if we do have to be in lockdown for a while longer or if it does come back businesses are set up so that they can actually deliver things to people so people can kind of go about normal-ish life but but it will still be in parts of lockdown um, well, I think the answer has to be yes to that, doesn't it? So I think one of the frustrations about the garden centres, for instance, where I think practically no one actually can understand why they're closed. Um, you know, if you look at the features of a garden centre, you're looking at, um, by its very nature, a very large open space um, where it would be relatively simple to, to, to practice social distancing compared to, you know, many other uh, similar sort of shops and things and i think one of the one of the things that um i know i was reading an interview with a the managing director of a garden center and he was saying you know that you know they could have understood you know if they were told to change like you say change the way they do business so you know he was he was he was suggesting for instance you know that people collected their plants you know in the car parks or whatever you know people brought Mm. the plants out to them or whatever so I think, um, you know, EasyJet have taken all the middle seats out, apparently, and now there's talk about um, airfares going up by 30%, obviously, to compensate them because there's going to be 33% less traffic on the on the plane. Um, I think most people think restaurants will have to halve their their uh, covers. So I think, I think it's going to be quite likely i also think that when they do open the shops again that the large shops will open first yeah um there does seem to be perhaps a growing uh, realization amongst the politicians that they need to do a lot more than they've done because you can't you can't have uh so i think 
I think the thing I would say, and I don't think this is being cynical, uh, when you said strategy, I think I'd go, what strategy? <laughs> yeah, I thought we might say that, yeah. <laughs> there, there isn't a strategy, is there? And I think, to be fair, you know, I, mean, I, I don't really like agreeing with Keir Starmer, but, um, you know, uh, I think, you know, his point is, a, is an entirely reasonable one. I don't think it's unreasonable for one's government um, to give to give some sort of um, guidance. Uh, and, I, you know, and let's be, be honest as well. There's a big difference between perhaps sitting there being a good boy or girl um, for, say, six weeks thinking, you know, I've just got another three weeks to go and then I can go and buy an ice cream or whatever. Yeah. And being told, which is what happens now, uh, all that Matt Hancock does is go on and say it's too early. Yeah. Doesn't say anything. Doesn't say anything positive. Uh, the thing that really got me is I, I couldn't believe this. It, I was I almost I thought this has got to be right up there in the stupidest comments in world history. When he said, um, I think it was on Thursday in his his speech, uh, he said it wasn't. It was, I think this was in response to a question he was asked by one of the journalists. And he said it wasn't it wasn't just about health, it was to protect the economy. <laughs> and I, I just laughed. I thought, you complete arse, you know. Uh what a stupid thing to say. I think I think you know? yeah, I think I think that and that's the thing, isn't it? A lot of the journalists that go uh, to the press conferences and Monday seems to be uh Mondays and Fridays seem to be the the, the biggest ones with the news that comes out. They they ask that question, you know, why why are we not uh telling people? And and the presumption that you have and I I'm not a negative person at all when I look at things positively, but the presumption is this is going to go on for a lot longer than people realise. And they're not going to tell people that because if you were to say right now, it's going to be at least another 12 weeks, they probably worry about the mental health effects of that. So what maybe they're trying to do is just stagger. So I'll give you an example. The next three weeks the, until the review, I, I, I would say there's zero chance of there not being another three weeks, but they're not going to say six weeks because that's that has a mental health effect. You don't have to agree with me. I, it's just an opinion. No, no. <laughs> of course, of course, you're allowed to have an opinion. I just don't agree with it. No, that's fine. Um, this debate. I, I, my 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 spin on what you just said is, uh, I would say, um, it's more to do with incompetence than it is uh, a strategy. Yeah. So I think I think that the reason why. Um, say Matt Hancock doesn't say anything positive is because he hasn't got anything positive to say. It's not that he knows. It's not because he sits there and he thinks actually this is going to go on for another 12 years. I think he doesn't know. I think he genuinely doesn't know. So I, I think this would be my view. I think if I had to second guess what Matt Hancock's view was, I think Matt Hancock thinks that uh, lockdown has to go on for as long as it needs to go on. And he couldn't answer how long that was. And he'd say, well, uh, it depends on the figures. So I think if he thought that uh, in three weeks' time, 800 people were still dying every day, he would say he would sit in the meeting and vote for a lockdown. Yeah. And I think that's, I think that, I think it's, it's no more complicated than that. He actually doesn't know. Whereas, whereas I, perhaps as someone more, more prepared, um, to be bold, say, you know, and I, you know, I use my submarine example, you know, I would, I would sacrifice two members of my crew to save the rest if it meant that they would all die. I think, um, you know, I, I would, I would take a more holistic view, you know, at the moment, I think he in particular is just looking at coronavirus almost like it's the be all and end all. And then of course, you've got all the people uh, who are not getting cancer treatment and all the operations aren't taking place. You've got well, I think it's going to happen. The ridiculous situation of all these new hospitals that have been built that will never be used. Yeah. I actually, I totally believe that's what's going to happen, you know. Um, and, of course, I saw a, a very good uh, interview with a, I can't remember his name now, with, a, you know, another guy that uh, was very much sort of talking about balance. And he said, um, and, and, you know, and I'm told this is a matter of fact, not a, a, an opinion. And this guy had no reason you know, to be um, coming out with any sort of rubbish. Um, he said it's already true to say that in terms of, let's call the marginal deaths, mm. so th th not normal deaths, in other words, that last week as many people died from non, uh, from unnatural deaths because not to do a coronavirus than they did because of coronavirus. Yeah. 
if that makes if that makes sense. Yeah. And I think every day, every day this continues, that's going to increase. You're gonna have um you're gonna have people with severe mental health issues, um people suffering from depression, people losing hope. Dan Hodge in the mail yesterday wrote a fantastic article and he basically what what is what he was saying is is we're not living. Britain's not living. We've stopped living. We're existing. Yeah, it's a really, it's a really, really good point. Um, I have to say, from a personal point of view, uh, um, that I, like yourself, Paul, have been kept incredibly busy since this started. And we've got huge amounts going on. I feel very fortunate, first of all, for that. Um, and mm-hmm. every single day, I, I work and enjoy what I'm doing. And I work really hard on everything that we're trying to do. And it, and it even spills into the weekends and, and I've got a lot of things that I try and do as well and keep myself, I've got a lot of hobbies um, and I'm fortunate, but yet still I feel like a little bit like we're existing and this is quite tough now. So I can't imagine how people that have been put on furlough, the people that have lost their jobs, it, how they are actually feeling. And I, th- and I think you're right, Paul. I think every day that ticks by, the, the, the mental health side of this becomes becomes bigger um on the other side of that we have to give a balanced argument somebody would say well this is not the government's fault and these this this has happened and we have to deal with it by any means that we can go back to the war for example and that that would have put many people in uh, mental health into um problems then but but you don't you don't have a choice is is that or is that not something that you'd have agree you agree with when you see those two sides of the argument so I'm not quite sure what I'm not agreeing to. So at the moment, I agree with you that every day that ticks past, there are huge mm. amounts of burden put on mental health for people that are yep. feeling very uncomfortable, very trapped, and very much like they're existing, to your point. But the argument against that would be, and I'm just putting a balanced argument across, yep. go back to the war, which is an, the, the <laughs> last time we saw anything like this happen. So always comparisons will be made. Mm. Then the mental health during the war would, would have been horrendous but you you have no choice because these things are here that we have to combat them i saw a good i saw a good um program about this i mean um it's understandable why people would make the the world war ii analogy but then then they were near the same are they uh in world war ii um you know people were allowed to go outside um you know we were we were we were fighting for our lives um in a bitter struggle with an enemy um, you could argue that the enemy is now a virus, if you want, if you were trying to do an analogy. Hmm. But uh, I think to try and compare lockdown with a, a six-year war that saw millions of people die is um, is not really a good one. And I think, you know, I think the, the point, I thought you were going to say something like, um, uh, you know, people might say, you know, people on a different side of the fence to me, for instance, that... Um, you know, almost it doesn't matter what the economic cost is um, because there's nothing more important than lives. Now, my point is, if you're going to have that argument, you have to have regard to the totality of lives. It's, it's a bit like, um, it's a bit like, uh, so one, one of the things that I believe, so I always feel, for instance, when the government allows a large uh, business to fail, let's say a thousand people lose their jobs, and those thousand people then go on go on the dole, you know that then costs the taxpayer millions of pounds. So why not give that company ten million pounds to save it? Yeah, for instance, point, you know, point, yeah. you know. Um, so you know, I, I as an economist and, a, and an accountant, I tend to look at things perhaps uh, from a cost benefit point of view. So you know, you you don't just look at the the cash. You look at the the neo cash, if you like, you know. Um, so you look at the underlying issues as well as um, the coronavirus things. So, see, to me, um, it's it's absolutely disgusting, and I and I and I feel really passionate, almost angry about this. I think it's absolutely disgusting. Uh, I know for a fact there are hospitals, including my local one, that have geared up, understandably perhaps to this uh this situation and they are at i don't know i don't i, I, don't, I don't know for certain but i wouldn't be surprised they're they're, they're not at more than 25 percent capacity 
right? They've 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 closed wards. Uh, you know, like the acute medical unit has closed. Uh, they're not doing any chemotherapy. They're doing no routine operations. They're doing no cancer operations. So, you know, effectively, someone has taken a decision to allow a number of citizens to die. And I don't think that's a that's not a, a, a you know a, a, a sort of a, a you know a, a sensationalist. That's probably a word. A sensationalist thing to say. The fact is that government has consciously said that they are prepared that some people will die. Uh, and they're going to allow that to happen because of the fear of other people dying. And to me, that's just a nonsense. You know, in any in any way of looking at it, it's a complete nonsense. And I think, you know, I think that uh, the way I look at it, you know, you know that I don't I don't care what I say to anybody. <laughs> you know, if I if I think I'm right or it's right, I will say, um, you know, even in our intranet session this morning, you know, it got marginally abrasive upon occasion. And the way I look at it, um, if you're going to put yourself in the frame to be the prime minister, you've got to grow a pair. You know, that means every now and again, you're going to say something that loads of people think is rubbish. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, you take Churchill in the war, you know, to use your World War II analogy. Um, Lord Halifax, uh, Chamberlain, etc. And that whole what you'd call the dove part of the Tory government in particular. Uh they wanted they they actually wanted us to sue for peace you know the germans using the italians as a bridge you know wanted us to do an armistice you know very much like the french did after they lost and the 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 the, the people who were actually the most dominant politicians in 1939 early 40 actually wanted us to do that and and and, and when basically churchill was made the prime minister and he was only made prime minister because the labor party basically said you either make Churchill prime minister or, or else, you know, and that's the truth of it. So that's, that's, that's a little, little political fact for you. Churchill became the prime minister because the labor party insisted he was the prime minister. Right. So when he used to stand up and make his speeches about blood, sweat and tears, three quarters of his own side thought he was talking a load of rubbish. It was all the people on the other side that were all waving their papers around and going, yeah, who, you know, so, um, you know, but, to be fair to him, he, 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 you know, when he did his, uh, we'll fight them on the beaches, we'll fight them on the landing grounds, we'll fight them in the airfields, we'll fight them in the fields and all that stuff, you know, that, that was not, uh, that was not necessarily the majority view of the House of Commons. My point being that he grew a pair and he, he did what well, turned out he took, uh, uh, fortunately for him, uh, the British public, that's what they wanted, mm. you know. Uh, there's a wonderful scene in um, in the latest Churchill film, which never happened actually, where he catches the tube to Westminster, and he and he's there and he's talking to all these different, you know. They're firstly there, they're all staggered that Churchill's there with him, and he basically says, you know, if if um, if I said to you, you know, we can we could basically end the war now, the bombs aren't going to fall on London anymore, uh, and we can sign this nice agreement, with Mr. Churchill, tomorrow, and they're all like, never. They all go, never, 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 you know. And, and the point was, you know, the London people, uh, the London population put up with daily or nightly huge bombing, you know, fires for for months and months and months and months and months and, and never lost their spirit, did they? Um, and fortunately, you know, one of the reasons why that happened was because they, they had strong leadership. I think at the moment, where, where we, what we've got in Britain, we're like a ship with, with, with no rudder. And that's how I see it. It's like we've got this great big ship sitting in the Pacific. It doesn't know where it's going. It doesn't know what port to go to. Um, it's sort of its captain. Well, it doesn't really have a captain, and the rest of the crew aren't quite sure where to go. Well, so it's you know that's probably how I'd put it. I wanted to ask you about that actually, and I did. I did mention when we started these broadcasts a number of weeks ago. I said we would change our shows would change we talk about all sorts of things and once again if you're listening on the podcast do get in touch with us it's podcast at aspen-weight.co.uk if you're watching on the live streams uh, get your comments in let us know what you think of our discussion and it is a discussion it's a it's a debate that we want you involved in and we're going to talk about all sorts as we go through the next weeks and months and one of the things i did want to ask was about the prime minister because a lot of comparisons are made depending on where you read to uh, Boris Johnson and Winston Churchill. I think a lot of people 
have taken to Boris Johnson because I I would say yep. that he's a, he's a different to a lot of the other politicians and actually you get some yep. rawness you get some you, you sometimes he says things and you, you imagine that the people behind <laughs> the scenes as they're going oh my god why is he why is he why is he said that and I wonder yep. whether a little bit at the moment people need Boris Johnson back to be talking and to be oh. to be guiding. Yeah, almost certainly. I I I probably go so far as to say, um, if he doesn't, you know, if he doesn't come back and actually stand by the tiller, um, your prediction is is almost certain to happen. Yeah, I think he's... your prediction of continued lockdown, it, it it needs someone to turn around and say no. I mean, to be fair to Trump, whatever you think of Trump, uh, you know, and 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 this would also be true of people like Viktor Orban in Hungary. Uh, the Prime Minister of Belarus, the Prime Minister of Sweden, they've got balls. You know, they're saying we're prepared, you know, we're prepared to do what we think is right. You know, we'll be judged on that. You know, the Belarus com- president's, you know, wonderful comment about we still, we still all have to eat, don't we? Uh, <laughs> Whereas I thought was was very interesting. And of course, you know, you've got a very different culture there. What we have is... Um, it's almost you could say our society's become too open. Yeah. You know, our society has become one that's almost dominated by social media. Um, and the BBC and Sky um, almost have disproportionate coverage. And, um, and of course, what you have in, in perhaps in Belarus, for instance, is, is, is probably more authoritarian. So you've actually got a strong leader basically saying, I don't want to talk about it. You know, we're not having a debate. We're not having a lockdown, right? Mm. You know, and I think what's interesting, and I, you know, I'd be very interested because um, there must be people listening to this who don't agree with me. For instance, I would be really, really interested to get a, 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 a seriously intellectual viewpoint on why Sweden has managed to avoid a lockdown and hasn't run into catastrophe. I defy anyone to tell me that. Why Why has Belarus only seen a couple of hundred people die? Why has Australia only seen less than a hundred people die? You know, why are, why why is this? Uh, you know, what is what is it? it? It's got to be something to do with cultural, hasn't it? It's got to be, it's got to be to do with, you know, the way that our society is uh, vis-a-vis other countries. I think, and I think you don't get that sort of balance when you when you when you're watching the BBC. You don't get that. Um, that sort of reality check. You, know, you would think if you were, if you just watched the BBC and you didn't have a brain cell yourself, I think you'd think that everyone in the world was dying everywhere. Uh, it was, it was something that was worldwide and what's going on in Australia is the same as what's going on in New Zealand is the same as what's going on in South Africa, the same as it's going on in Korea and so on and so forth. But it isn't. Now, if you actually look at it, you've got six countries in particular where you've got a serious problem, you know, and then you could argue proportionately you've got perhaps Belgium uh, and to some extent Netherlands. But if you look at all the other countries, it's, it's quite staggering. You know, they're, you, you know, I, I, I actually spent, I, I do this every week. I look at every country in the world and see how many people have died. You've got like eight, two, you know? Mm. Um, so, you know, I, I'd like I'd like someone from the doom and gloom side to to actually explain to me why that is the, why that is so. It's, it's interesting. We come back to something that we've mentioned before, which is the media. Um, our, my opinion of of our media is is uh, down in the gutter somewhere, and I think we <laughs> we've discussed before about the BBC. Who I remember actually talking to you a few weeks ago about the uh, very famous story about a BBC journalist who was broadcasting whilst a bomb fell on. Um, their old building and he's and you could hear it in the background but he still read the news out it was that important and the yeah. BBC had a certain reputation which I'm not yeah. sure if there is there anymore I would never switch on Sky News or the Daily Mail or what the, or, or the Sun or anything like that anyway but 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 part of the problem uh, like you say must be um, the scaremongering and our media is just dreadful I don't know if it's different around the world I wouldn't know but it is a problem isn't it Oh, huge. You know, I mean, you know, there's a school of thought that's already saying that because of the government, you know, the way the government went about lockdown um, and the way that the media um, don't have that balance, uh, it it massively 
worsens uh, and makes more difficult any attempt to relax the lockdown. Hmm. You know, see, to me, it should be clear and obvious. I, I personally cannot understand why uh, anyone wouldn't want to go and buy an ice cream. Right? Now, I can understand someone saying, yeah, I want to buy an ice cream, but I don't want to buy an ice cream if I think I'm going to die. You know? For instance, that's a perfectly reasonable thing to say. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I think it should be an aspiration. That'd be a good word to use. Uh, every citizen should have the aspiration to want to go back to normality. And then it just becomes a matter of balance, doesn't it? Well, it you know, yeah. how, how, how do we get as close to normality as we can without creating some ridiculous, you know, uh, paradox or whatever, where you just go round and round in circles and have, you know, you, so you, you know, you have, you have three months of 15,000 people dying and then, you know, you have three months of 2,000 people dying and then you go back to 15,000 people dying again and so on and so forth, you know. Um, so it wouldn't, be, it wouldn't be sustainable, would it? No. I think one of the points that I'll make as well, the last point on the media, I know we could talk about social media. I don't even want to go there. That's an entirely different thing. That's a, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that another day. But we talked about mental health at the beginning of this and one of your reasons for... Look, the government need to look at it day by day. Mental health is deteriorating, which which it, yep. from your part is we need to open this up because people are going to die and people are going to get seriously yep. ill because of the lockdown. I, I would I would suggest, and this is a debate, that over half the over 50 percent of the mental health issues are down to the media. Mm. Propaganda, um, bad reporting. I, I'm, I, I don't want to. You know, uh, my girlfriend doesn't watch this anyway, so it's fine. But a lot of the time, <laughs> over the last three or four weeks, she would come up to me, certainly at the beginning, and say, "Oh my God, you know, this has happened," or "Look what they're saying is going to happen now," or "Look at this." And every time she'd be looking at the Daily Mail and and, and telling me that that was going to happen, I'd say, "Look, don't worry, just put that. Don't go on the Daily Mail. That's that's fabricated. It's 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 all." But that that to many people, and and I don't mean to segregate people in terms of education because that's not what we're here to do. But for many people, reading the Daily Mail and the Sun and the, even some of the, the, the so-called better papers and the BBC is how they find out about their news. And what's being delivered to them is, is not a great picture. And that's got to play a part in mental health. Well, you look at yesterday, right? Um, you know, one of the things you know that um, uh, I, I, you know, I, I use the story about, you know, the two, the two salesmen that go to Africa, two, shell, two shoe salesmen. And one comes back and says, no one's wearing shoes, there's no market. And the other one comes back and says, no one's wearing, wearing shoes. What an amazing, what an amazing opportunity. Mm. So, um, you know, if, if we just start off with that one. So you look at what happened yesterday. We went, um, we saw the lowest number of deaths for 15 days. Fact. Yeah. All right. You tell me, even for one second, where that was reported in a positive and 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 an enthusiastic manner on the media, it wasn't, was it? Anyone, anyone at all? Yeah. Right. Now, if you actually, if you actually look and see what actually flashed up on the BBC, for instance, and this, and, and I was actually very interested by this because we were trying to work out actually how many people had died, and on the BBC, you know, they flash up breaking news. Yeah. And it said um, coronaviruses rise over sixteen thousand. After deaths rise by 567, that's exactly the words they used. Now, um, be interesting to see what Lisa thinks about this, if you don't mind. Um, I would have said grammatically that that, to me, that means that it's that's a, a rise of. Do you know what I mean? So if yesterday it was five, it was a thousand, then they're saying that it rose to 567. Yeah, and I read it over and over again. And asked myself the question, and 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 then I went on my phone uh, to double check it was actually five hundred and sixty-seven or whatever. So the fact is, is 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 that it, it, even in itself, that reporting, there's, there's several things wrong with this. Firstly, uh, the grammar actually was sensationalist, wasn't it? So instead of saying, um, so for instance, I, as someone who's more motivator, you know, a more motivation person, I would have released something that said. Uh, deaths fall deaths fall to their lowest level for 15 days 
That's what I would have said. Yeah. Right. But what do the media do? They put deaths. They put deaths rose by 567 to over 16,000. That's what it said. You didn't then get one person then reporting on that and saying there's calls for optimism today. Yeah, you know, it's, and if you look at, I mean, I'm not going to say which paper because I don't want to get us into trouble. Totally uh, agree with that. But one of the papers now, just looking at the headlines, and it's um, fears grow for shopkeepers and supermarket staff as corner shop worker becomes latest to die from coronavirus. I mean, that's just the wording of that is hor- horrendous. Europe's coronavirus divide um, is one of the other one, uh, and then if we just go to the very top, uh, Johnson reluctant to end lockdown over fears of second wave of coronavirus infections. They're the headlines at the moment. And people wonder why we have a mental health problem. People wonder why um, people are suffering and, and are, are in real bad times of this situation. Part of the answer, not all of the answer, because I agree with you, it's not good for people not to go out and see their friends. But part of the answer is stop letting this rubbish happen across the media. Well, as we said earlier, you know, I think, um, you know, we always have this debate in the house about when I when I occasionally go on a diet, you know, um, you know, that I, I think that you can't just sit there and tell someone to eat lettuce leaves for the next 17 years because you get to a point and think, what's the fucking po-? sorry to swear on, on there? You know, what what is what is the freaking point? You know, yeah. you got to have you got to have um some hope, and then you come back to Dan Hodges' point, I think, which is a very, very powerful one about the difference between existing and living. Yeah, you know. So, from my point of view, you know, I, I know you and I had, we were in agreement over this. Um, you know, I have no desire to break the law, but I would break the law if I was told I couldn't go for my bike ride. I would go for my bike ride, and and I probably would be prepared to go to prison over it. Yeah, I love right? it. That's how yeah. that's strong, how strongly I feel about it. Um, so, you know, I, th- I, th- I think that, um, you've got to, you've got to give people some hope. Um, you can't expect someone who's sitting there. So let's take, you know, let's take a garden center owner, probably an average garden center, uh, going to lose 250,000 pounds worth of plants. You know, you've got, um, what was it? Was it 500 million pounds of beer going to be thrown away? Mm-hmm. I think, I think that was the right figure. Now, you know, you imagine now that you've, um, you know, so I've got, so for instance, I have a uh, a client um, who's quite a mature lady, shall we say, uh, and she's been in the pub trade longer than I care to remember, probably older, longer than you've been alive, I suspect. Yeah. Seriously, you know. Um, and, you know, so people like her, I feel her every second of the day. You know, I mean, she doesn't have, you know, she, one of the reasons she's still working you know, well into her 60s is because she doesn't have, uh, you know, that cash cushion or that wealth, you know. Her husband died of a heart attack last year. She's running this quite large pub in Dorset on her own. How was she supposed, what's she supposed to do? You know, and then she looks at the media and basically she gets her leaders telling her, uh, there's no hope, there's no hope, love. You know, you're going to be closed for as long as we think uh, you need to be closed for, but we're not going to give you any help. Yeah, it's, you know, it, it, it's it's just ridiculous. It's a problem at the best of times, and and now it's it's certainly a a problem that we just want some positive story. Do you know what, Paul? There's only one thing that that we're going to be able to do. We're going to have to launch an Aspen Weight newspaper, release it, so that people can have positive stories. That's that's just it. We're going to have to go to print. Oh yeah, I know. You, I know you said that as a bit of a joke, but um, no, I'm serious. You know. One of the things which, um, you know, I was talking about, you know, I, I, I actually think that one of the reasons why, for instance, more, more increasingly more people are listening to us, for instance, is because, um, you know, when we, when we were talking about our new radio show and what sort of things we should put on our jingles, you know, I said to you, you know, we are we are the home of, of real world advice. Yeah. You know, so we're not we're not you and I don't trot out. Uh, Marxist propaganda or uh, anti-Boris propaganda or or whatever. We just say it as it is, you know. I mean, as I think, you know, I think one of the things that I've demonstrated over the last few weeks, I've started to um, to prefer things, you know, offer solutions which are neo-Marxist. You know, I've talked about taxing the, su- the supermarkets. I talked today about 
um, nationalization, for instance, mm. you know, not allowing businesses to fail. Um, because why would you do that and then create uh, the socioeconomic problems that arise from misery and unemployment and having to fund all those people? You know, you look at um, America, America's now got 9 million unemployed. One of the things, again, I was reading in the Times business section yesterday is, uh, I don't, of course, this is, I don't know this to be true, but it was reported as being true. And they said that, um, do you know how many people have been furloughed, by the way? Have a guess. I read it earlier. It was, yeah, it was, it was um, an incredible amount. Yeah, incredible amount. Nine million. Yeah. Nine million people have been furloughed. Uh, and ap <coughs> apparently the government thought it was going to be about two or three. So apparently they're absolutely shocked, you know, that this furlough scheme is now up to nine million workers. So that's got to be, I don't, I don't know what, I, I would have thought that's got to be something like 30% of the workforce. Well, one of the things that I read was the this 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 actually the stat on within the first couple of hours how many people had uh, um, uh, sixty seven thousand furlough claims made in the first thirty minutes was one of the stats that they've now so it shows you you know and then obviously it's gone up to you say nine million it's incredible you know so um, you know that is that is just a an unsustainable level and I think you'd almost have to come to the point you know if you were I think if you were a dictator, you know, if one was a dictator, which I quite like the thought of being, actually, um, you know, you'd have to sit there and say, actually, would you would you allow your country to be devastated for the sake of a few thousand people dying? And I think I know it sounds a bit heartless, but I think the answer would have to be no, wouldn't it? Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, I think we've we've said this before. It's, um, you know, it seems. It seems they're just that they don't want to entertain that debate, though, do they? Whenever we see these, um, you know, one thing I will say is I, I, I commend the fact that we get these conferences every day and, I, and they do come out with different people, uh, even across the weekend, four o'clock on a Saturday and Sunday and five in the week. And, and they're very well put together, but they don't want to answer those questions around that, do they? They don't want to ever give any. I think the answer that you get given, they could almost play a jingle, which is we'll be guided, <laughs> we'll be guided by the science. They should just put that on a clip, I think, and play that out. <laughs> <laughs> quite a few times but even then they don't what they actually mean is they'll be guided by the science that suits them yeah because i could i could refer you to all sorts of scientists who don't agree with the science if you see what i mean yeah no i agree completely well we've had a great discussion today and um, if you're listening on the podcast as i mentioned uh, do get involved podcast at aspen-weight.co.uk uh, if you're watching back on the live stream, still put your comments in there. We'll get to them. We'll reply to you. We'll monitor all, all the comments that we get. Um, and we'll continue our debates as the days and, and the weeks go on, Paul. We will indeed, young friend. And uh, this is a very exciting time for us. We've mentioned it a few times. We are about to launch uh, Aspen Weight uh, Radio. I can tell you that we will be launching Aspen Weight Radio, the conversations I had this morning on, on Friday the 1st of May. So we, we will be live um, and we will be uh, producing great content. Paul's got plans for a couple of amazing shows, which we'll talk about uh, at a later date, a music show, history show. Um, but we'll be live with our music and what we've put together on the 1st of May, which is going to be incredible. We'd love you to be part of that journey uh, as well, which brings us really nicely to the end of the show, which is always my favourite part, and your song of the day, Paul. Yeah, so we have reached uh, I on uh, Weighty's A to Z of pop. And, um, and of course, there could only be um, one choice today. <laughs> That's sort of the background Icicle Works, which, of course, is a fantastic song, but um, but it's, um, as it wasn't the one I chose, but uh, you can listen to Icicle Works anyway. Um uh, Love is full of wonderful colours, um, but uh, probably, possibly the band I've listened to the most over the last year would be Icehouse, um, who are an Australian band. Uh, so, um, you know, one of the things that's often said about me is sometimes I'm living in the 80s, which I don't think is true, actually, as, as hopefully my musical choice uh, recently has proven. But um, Icehouse were a band that came out of Australia. Uh, in fact, I remember... Um, just to brag a bit, I can remember driving down the LA freeway in my in my station wagon, 
listening to uh, No Promises by Ice House in 1987, I think it was. Um, feeling a bit of a flash git, to be honest with you. Uh, yes, that's true. Um, so yeah, so that 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 started my um, my interest in Ice House. Um, they, I think they're a bit of a cult band. I think in Australia they're they're pretty huge. You know, I think they're a bit, you know they're um, they're sort of part of the fabric of society, but never you know I don't think they ever they ever really made it in the UK. I'm not sure um, what their greatest hit would have been. Uh, they've had a you know a few top top twenty hits, um, but for me, I think they are right up there. You know, in terms of um, all round. Um, just all around really good pop songs, I think, you know, um, clearly massively. So this record, for instance, you could just hear Brian Ferry and Roxy music, uh, behind almost every bar actually. So I think ice house were tremendously influenced by particularly Roxy music, uh, and also David Bowie, I think. Um, and that whole sort of scene, um, and they just, they just, produce really really good songs and also really good videos actually um i never tire of them <laughs> yeah, just yeah just been yeah, the, the lead singer at one point had a, a really good mullet which is a, but uh but he, he looks quite good now uh, so um i've actually chosen uh a, 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 not their they're actually best known song but um song i probably at the moment uh, like the best which is hey little girl um, which again, all their videos, say all their all their songs have really good videos. So if you wanna, if you've got an hour and you've got you know, nothing better to do during lockdown, uh, just sit down and watch an hour of Ice House videos, um, and yeah, you know you won't you won't regret it. It's all really really um, enjoyable stuff. And this one's just got a, it's just really really catchy, and the video is quite poignant. You know, it's a, it's, it's about a, a, a boy and a girl basically. Uh, clearly the boy, you know, is in love with the girl and the girl, uh, is a dancer and she, uh, clearly is messing around with some wealthy guy. Uh, you know, and it's it, the song sort of about how, how he sees that. And then it has a, a very cheesy end where you see this very old woman. That's obviously her. Uh, she goes across and puts her hand over to clearly the, the guy, uh, you know, who sings the song. So, uh, uh, well recommended. So it's Hey Little Girl by Ice House is my song for today. And if you're on the podcast that's coming up for you next, and if you're not, then please go and go and check it out on Spotify or whatever streaming service you use on YouTube. Go and watch the video. Well, that's it. I'm quite sad that that's it today. It's been really nice uh, to talk to you, Paul, and have a have a good discussion about all things um, in the UK and uh, across the world. <laughs> we'll continue this as well. As we go on in the week, tomorrow, Mark Carey will be joining myself and Paul uh, for what is always a very digital orientated, very positive uh, talk on a Tuesday. So really look forward to that. Don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already to our podcast. Uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel. You get notified whenever we go live. And first of all, thank you to Paul for, for joining me. Um, have a great rest of the day. Pleasure Paul. as always, Ben. And a big thank you to you for listening, for watching and for joining us. And we'll be back again tomorrow we'll see you at 12 30 have a great rest of the day 